Welcome everybody to Beyond the Shadows. I'm author and ghost historian Mike Ricksecker. Tonight we're going to be talking about supernatural creatures and ancient entities. So we're going to get into some really different things that we haven't talked about so much on here on Beyond the Shadows or even Edge of the Rabbit Hole or even on our other channel, the Haunted Road Media channel. A um, couple things will be similar, but other things like giants, we've never really talked giants here before on uh on Beyond the Shadows, or like Thunderbirds, or things like this. So uh, we're going to get into some really, really different things here on tonight's show. So I want to thank everybody who was uh, hanging out down there in the chat room between shows. We have that gap that I hope everybody got a nice snack, because we're about to get into it here. So, uh, yep, I see a lot of you have already joined. We're in the house, we're rocking and rolling. All right, so the first one that I do want to get into is giants and i think it's kind of a nice place to just really start because really it goes back all the way to the beginning of time now uh, many of you are on my uh, facebook some of you are not that's okay and i posted a photo the other day of like the kind of quote-unquote light reading that i've been doing uh at night i've been trying to do a little bit more reading at, at night of course being a writer i always do a lot of reading as well um, I listen to a lot of audiobooks, but I've been trying to do a little bit more reading at night. And I have this stack of four books. I have three of them with me here. <clears throat> and uh, one of them is straight up um, Giants on Record. This is by uh, Jim Vieira and Hugh Newman. Hugh Newman was on uh, the Alaska Triangle with me. Um, not really talking about Giants on that particular show. We were talking some other things that we're going to get into a little bit later. Um, but really an extensive book so they went into uh especially jim uh went into like all the newspaper reports uh across the country of giants over the years and there are several we're gonna get into um why we're not seeing a lot of that stuff uh these days where did the giant bones go what happened um freddie silva also talks about uh giants in the missing lands like when he gets into easter island so it's not just a thing in the united states it's all over the world um you know, easter island is one of them there were some reports down in uh, south america some of the south uh southeast asian islands have reports of giants some are even supposed to still live out there so these are a couple books i definitely recommend and i i am taking a little bit of material from these this evening so um just being very straight up and forthcoming. No, I don't know it all off the top of my head. No, I haven't gone out into the field to research everything. Um, sometimes you you know you've referenced the work of your peers, so uh, which is which is fine. That's what you do. You know you you bounce things off of each other. You read and then you go do your own research and field investigations and all that. So, um, so the other the other one, however, where it kind of all begins, right? is the Book of Enoch. So um, this particular translation does translate uh, the word as giants. Of course, we're going we're to talk a little bit about the Watchers and we'll talk a little bit about the Anunnaki and all that particular stuff and where these giants are supposed to have come from. Um, mentioned a little bit last week when we had um, Dr. Heather Lynn on the show, um, we were talking about the Anunnaki connection and 
And she was talking about the people that came down out of the north. And one of the questions that I bounced off her was, you know, the Denisovans. So these are supposed to be a taller people, much taller people um, from the north, from Russia. Um, so that kind of even gets worked into there as well. So, you know, when it comes to to Enoch, when we go back to the beginning and what these things were, these giants and where they came from. So we're going to get into, I have some slideshows that is not, that's from when we had Car, uh, Keith on. Um, but, okay, so this is a, basically a depiction of a fallen angel. And there's a lot of interpretations as to what the Watchers were. Were they fallen angels? Were they some other sort of um, entity? Remember, angel is supposed to mean um, messenger. So not necessarily with the wings and all that sort of stuff. Um so Betty Lange right off the bat is asking me, you know, like how tall. So I guess that's a, that's a good question for clarification clarification's sake. Um, everything in this book is like reports of seven feet or taller. I understand that these days um, seven feet doesn't seem like that. I mean, it still seems tall to us. Well, a lot of our basketball players are about that tall these days. But um, back then, seven feet was like, a lot bigger but there are reports that go much higher than that uh in here i mean we're talking like 15 footers and uh stuff like that um and just to let you know i haven't gotten all the way through this um so there's other research that i've done over the years uh i don't know how many of you are familiar with frank joseph in his works so i've read some of his stuff in the past but in any case so when we talk about the watchers uh, and fallen angels and, and things like this, so these these beings came down to Earth, and they started intermingling with the with the human women. They weren't supposed to. That was that was against the rules. When you get into this. Um, they get chastised big time for actually intermingling with the human women and impregnating them. Um, and the result of uh, these pregnancies were the giants, these these tall beings uh, that were that were formed. And so um, you know they're referred to as the Nephilim. That's usually what the Bible refers uh, to them as. Uh, you see a little bit in this translation, a little bit of that in here, but usually it's just straight up giants in, in this particular translation. And so that's the origin of these tall beings. And so throughout our world history, we've had we've had a lot of giant stories you know we've had you know you've had stuff like you know, jack of the beanstalk you've had um you know david and goliath uh you know even things like the cyclops you know these tall huge beings uh very tall and you know very menacing in a lot of times in a lot of situations as well um what is interesting is that not all the reports of you know these these tall beings are of uh, you know these dangerous creatures, although some of them are, um, like the Southeast Asian islands, the ones that are supposed to still be living there. They're actually supposed to be very nice and helpful. They've um, you know one of the one of the reports out of uh, Freddie's book here was. Um, you know, they had had some, their, some car trouble and, um, you know, car went off the road, was stuck in a ditch, all this sort of stuff. So they had to walk back to town and they came back the next day to get the car and everything was like 
you know, put on the road real nice, tidied up. Um, they were good to go from there. And so they attributed that to, you know, one of the giants and they're supposed to be very private. Um, when people showed up at Easter Island, the giants were still supposed to be there and they weren't, they weren't mean and menacing. They were actually rather friendly. So it's kind of a, a, a mix of, um, you know, the legend and lore. And, you know, when we think of a taller being sometimes, I mean, immediately we're like, oh, wow, it's huge. You know, we're going to get scared and that sort of thing. So, of course, the, the big question always comes to, um, you know, what happened to the bones? So we look at, um, oh, and the other question, yeah, the, the Anunnaki, here's the Anunnaki, uh, or at least one of those uh, Sumerian tablets. And I saw somebody down in there reference uh, Dr. Heatherlin, and uh, yeah, she was a fantastic guest, so please go back and... and uh, and check out that after you get done with this, of course. So now I'm not going to say that any of these um, any of these are actually real. Like these guys, you know, with this huge <laughs> skull on the cart, is this a real photo? And that's what it comes down to, because um, there are photos, there are uh, the different newspaper clippings. Some of it's going to be a misinterpretation of. You know, of something natural, something biological. I mean, the largest person on record that we know, that we actually witnessed, we have photographs of, lived right down the road, um, Robert Wadlow. He was 8 feet 11 inches. Uh, there are statues of him uh, around the town that, you know, you're you're standing next to it and you're like, there's no way there was a guy that the, that was this tall. And that's like the rare exception. Um, you know, he, he was afflicted with the call giantism. Uh, he was continuing to grow. Basically, it's a, it's a condition in which you just never stop growing. You're continuing to grow and grow and grow and grow. And what ends up happening, what ended up happening to him, of course, was that um, his, his heart gave out. It could no longer con continue to pump and keep up with these, you know, long... Yeah, I mean, these long arteries and veins and everything through his body to keep the blood flowing at, at that kind of a rate and at that kind of a distance. And so he just, it gave out. Um, so we're, we're talking about a being that is already giant naturally. And these things, these creatures, I guess, um, you know, would live together. So it's not just like a one-off uh, like Robert Wadlow would have been. Um, many people believe that like Goliath was kind of a one-off and maybe he was suffering from giantism. Maybe he had this condition, was an abnormally uh, large Philistine and, you know, they put him in, in the battle like that. It very well could have been. But then you have these reports of communities of giants. Um, one of the last reports out of the American Southwest was, was of a... Um, a clan of these giants, the red hair. Uh, you know, Keith was talking about the red hair earlier this evening, but a lot of these have the reports of the red hair. And in this cave, um, the uh, you know, the natives basically snuffed them out in the cave. There was just a handful of them left, but they were, um, you know, kind of raiding the, uh, the Native American uh, villages and people and, and things like that. And so they wanted to get rid of them. And so that seems to be like the last vestige. But throughout 
the country, there have been thousands, thousands of reports, thousands of articles, and um, here is, this is an interesting photo, not this one, um, this one, so this is, this, this is basically from the Giants on Record book um, by Jim Vieira and Hugh Newman, and so this is basically all the newspaper clippings, all the reports of giants that were unearthed across the country. You see a large concentration there in Ohio, and I'm, I'm a native of Ohio, so um, I'm not a giant, but yeah, speaks well for my home state. <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's interesting to just see how many uh, reports there are across the country. Um, and people are talking about Abraham Lincoln. He was a he was a tall guy, but he didn't suffer from from giantism. Um, yeah, he was de he was definitely tall for the time, uh, but not he 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 didn't have that particular disease. Um, yeah, we wouldn't consider that necessarily huge these days. Obviously, um, yeah, Andre the Giant was uh, yeah seven uh, four. He was really tall. So, uh, but yeah, here's. A really, really wild map of how extensive um, these reports were. And then you see some of the photos that went along with the newspaper articles uh, of the time and these things that they were unearthing. Now, admittedly, there were certainly some hoaxes. And especially around that time, it was much easier to perform a hoax. You know, there was, um, you know, there were there were giants that people would put together that looked mummified, and they would do a really nice artistic job of making them look like a mummified giant, and they'd bring them around to, you know, the circus or a sideshow or what have you, you know, you know, pay 10 cents to come see the giant, and you'd go in there, you'd look at it, and that sort of thing. And then, you know, several years ago, as technology caught up and they wanted to prove that this was a legit thing, and they'd take the x-ray and then they'd realize, oh, no, this was a hoax. So, yes, there are, there were certainly several hoaxes out there. Um, but one of the issues, and again, we'll go back and we'll, we'll look at the map. Um, you know, all of these, all, you're, you cannot tell me that all of these are going to be uh, hoaxes. And so we have a question here from Victoria Monday. Are there a lot of uh, Bigfoots in the same place as the Giants? So we'll get to Bigfoot here uh, a little bit later. So, um, you know, Bigfoot and a giant human or humanoid uh, person, I mean, these are kind of two different things, but we will get to Bigfoot a little bit later here. Um, but with this sheer number, thousands and thousands, um, it was like over 10,000, you're not going to tell me that these were all hoaxes or all people suffering from giantism. It's just not happening. Uh, one of the, well, there's a couple different issues that, hap that have happened over the years. So a lot of the bones, everybody asks, okay, what happened with the Smithsonian? Smithsonian's hiding things, all that sort of stuff. 
And I do believe that there's um, a degree of stuff that they're hiding. And I don't believe, necessarily believe, that it's anybody in the Smithsonian today. Unless it's just now they're just trying to save face because you know, we screwed up all those years ago and we're not going to admit it. We're just going to save face and shut up. Um, but over the years, a number of these bones that were reportedly collected were reburied. They were you know, natives, they were, they were considered natives, um, not necessarily what we would call um, an Indian, but they were natives to the land, and so they were reburied into Native American cemeteries, and so we can't touch them. We can't dig them back up and take a look. Um, so they've, they're in place there, they're done. Um, the most that people have been able to do with something like that is like ground penetrating radar to determine there's something down here it seems large, and and that's that's about as far as they can go in those particular cases. Um, but then there's also, um, going back to the Smithsonian, uh, John Wesley Powell. Um, now, fine, I can give him some credit for being an explorer, but he was kind of, he was the dictatorial um, director of the Smithsonian back in the 1800s, he's basically the guy that like set down that rule to say, well, anything pre-Columbian before Christopher Columbus uh, discovered America uh, doesn't count. You know, he would not consider anything from before that time um, that was just out of the question. Uh, even though we've since determined that even Europeans have been here before Christopher Columbus, he just would not consider anything anything uh, that came before Christopher Columbus discovered America. Um, you know, because, you know, we can't beseech Columbus's discovery. And well, you know, the Native Americans, those were, they were heathens. So, you know, we can't, we can't trust that anyway. So it was, you know, very, very horrible stance uh, that he took. And we lost a ton of archaeology back then. That's why a lot of these bones ended up going missing. You know, we had to hide the stuff. Uh, we had to, you know, I, I believe a lot of it got destroyed. Maybe some of it is down there in the in a, the basement of the Smithsonian somewhere. Um, we know a lot of the you know, Native American earthworks got destroyed, you know, without batting an eye because it's like, yep, okay, it's pre-Columbian. You can go ahead and you know destroy it and make it farmland. Not a problem. Um, there just just wasn't that care that was taken back then back then to preserve these things because it was all considered pre-Columbian pre. Um, you know, pre-Christian coming into there is kind of, you know, kind of the deal, unfortunately, uh, which is really, really sad. And so um, we've lost a lot of these things to time. And I will go slightly conspiracy theorish, theory-ish on it and say that um, I, 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 won't, I won't go in there and say that... Um, the Smithsonian now is covering a whole bunch of stuff up other than to save face from previous years. Um, I don't think they want to lose that credibility and take that and take that punch. So I think they're just going to shut up and, and, you know, and take a blind eye to it. Um, but I think a lot of the people involved with the Smithsonian don't even really know what all is down there. I do think that there's stuff down there. They just have no idea. And the ones that do know are just not going to say a thing because they don't want to take the uh, they don't want to take that kind of hit. So, 
Uh, that's kind of the section on Giants that I wanted to hit. That was a good, you know, first 20 minutes of the show here. I have a number of different other entities and creatures and things like this that I want to get into. Giants, not necessarily supernatural. Over the years, Legend and Lore have added supernatural abilities to a lot of these different types of giants. You know, there's even ideas that um, places like Stonehenge were built by the giants, were giants involved in the building of things like Baalbek, because you look at the massive Trilithon, and you're like, there's there's no way, <laughs> there's no way we're moving this. Mainstream, um, mainstream archaeology will try to tell you that the Romans did it, it's, it's not even the Roman style to do that. Um, so it's just were giants involved? It's a, it's a good question as to whether they were involved or not. And they very well may have been. So let's get into some other things here. Again, I love that map. Um, and again, that is that is out of the Giants on Record book. Um, so we're talking about some different uh, things involving the Native Americans here. So I do want to talk a bit about Thunderbirds. Um it's really interesting legend, uh, these type of birds. You know, they're supposed to have actually been seen, been witnessed. Um, they're supposed to be accompanied by things like lightning and thunder. Um, depending on the story, they may have like a lot of different supernatural uh, abilities and do different things for different people. But the main, and there's different... Um, Native American cultures that have seen or witnessed these things over the years. But the main thing is always huge bird. We're talking like wings, wingspans that are like dozens of feet long um, and kind of the lightning and thunder and, and all of this thing that go along with the Thunderbirds. Uh, the Thunderbirds were one of those things that was researched uh, for one of the episodes of the Alaska Triangle. So they have witnessed uh, Thunderbirds up there over the, over the years. Um, and they're huge. They're absolutely huge. Now, what I have been mulling about for a while, and here's a nice artist uh, representation. So that's the Native American uh, representation, and this is a an artist's rendering. So um, what I have been mulling around about now uh, concerning Thunderbirds, and it, I really... It really took the Alaska Triangle uh, for me to start drawing these lines. And that has to do with portals, dimensions, vortices, all that sort of stuff. Um, what, what was it that people were witnessing here with a Thunderbird, with these massive wingspans? Because there's no, there's no fossil record of these massive birds like this. I mean, at least with the giants, uh, we have presumably fossil records. I mean, we have, you know, tens of thousands of reports and articles of people finding giant bones. Um, you know, there's photos, maybe hoaxes, we don't know, um, of, of people with these things. But you don't see that with the Thunderbirds. So they're not really in the fossil record at all. Um, so you just have these stories of these different sightings. Um, massive wingspans, they're very loud, 
Um, you have this lightning that's associated with them. But something struck me when watching the Alaska Triangle. My segment, my segments, because I was in three of the, uh, the episodes, had to do with the portals, vortices, the episode on the missing Douglas, possibly getting lost into a portal, some other dimension, perhaps even some other point in time. So here's an idea. Is it possible that the Thunderbirds are actually airplanes from our era going through a portal and then coming out maybe 500 years in the past and the natives witness this thing as their Thunderbird. Is that what these things may be? And you have to think about how a native 500 years ago would view this thing. Like, let's say, we'll just take the missing Douglas because there were Thunderbirds witnessed there in Alaska. This Douglas plane, possibly, we don't know for sure, it's never been found, possibly went into a portal. All we really know about portals is that you'll disappear through it. Slight chance you'll wind up right back here. What happened to uh, um, to Bruce down there in the uh, Bermuda Triangle, Bruce Gurnan, where he came through that one fine, uh, just way ahead of time and ended up in Miami a lot sooner than he was supposed to. Um, so he did do, he had some time displacement there. But, Perhaps the missing Douglas went back in time and became one of these Thunderbird sightings up there in Alaska that we now have today as legend and lore. And, you know, we're, we're doing an Alaska Triangle episode and you got uh, Q up there hunting around in the forest for the Thunderbird. And he may actually be up there looking for the missing Douglas. Because how would those natives back then, the native Alaskans, you see this thing streaking across the sky, massive wingspan. Um, you know, it's definitely going to be loud. They may have somehow associated some lightning with it. If it's coming through a portal, maybe on the other side of it, they're seeing something electric with it. You know, maybe because of because of the travel, maybe they was having some sort of electronics failure. Maybe it was on fire. We don't know uh, what ended up happening on the other side of that. So they could be seeing this thing in the sky like that. They would have no idea what an airplane is. And it becomes their Thunderbird. Interesting idea. Um, Tom McNicholas, if planes went through a portal, wouldn't that cause a paradox? Um, not sure how it would create a paradox. You would end up with... Um, so let's say they went into a portal 500 years ago. Um so they wouldn't have any place to land that plane. They may, it may have very well crashed somewhere. Um, there may have been survivors. And depending on the time of year that they crashed, they could have survived for a little while. And maybe they, they perished in there. I mean, it could be that somebody does an archaeological excavation up there years from now. And 
comes across that airplane and it's totally out of place um because it's like okay this is the missing douglas but you know it's at a layer the strata around it is from 500 years ago so how do you explain that so but i don't know how it would necessarily create a paradox unless you ended up with something funky like somebody became their own um grandfather or something like that watch predestination <laughs> that gets into that stuff that one is a paradox um so but i think it's i think it's at least worth considering if if we're going to throw out there the possibility that planes could disappear through a portal and we never hear from them again and maybe that's part of this triangle activity whether it's in alaska or nevada or bermuda or wherever it is in the world with these different triangle areas if we're going to entertain that idea that they might disappear through a portal never to be seen here again you have to consider where it goes and we could talk about another plane of existence or parallel universes or things like that but one of the other things is also always time travel and so if it's traveling through time where does it come out in time and if it went backward in time then they could end up being these reported thunderbirds because again we have no fossil record of any of these where with the giants we kind of do um i say kind of do because <laughs> the reported bones that have been found over the years are very controversial but we have all of those again tens of thousands of newspaper reports I, i'm not going to contest every single one of them i mean even even with project blue book and the um you know, what was it, 13,000 different reports that came out of there, there's still 700 that they cannot explain. So it can't, it, it's not going to be every single one. Um, all right. John Nemchinsky, uh planes that disappear were eaten by the Langoliers. Nice. <laughs> so in any case, that is, um, that is a theory I am throwing out there right now, and we'll test and explore that uh for a little while so one of the other things that came about this again this one isn't necessarily supernatural the thunderbirds would be supernatural um especially when we start talking about portals and vortices but uh with a number of things that the uh, natives attribute to thunderbirds they would su certainly be supernatural but um we're gonna wow okay i'm gonna th talk about this one real quick melinda hall mindy says anyone read bid time return by richard matheson for those that have not read it, you may have seen the movie uh, Somewhere in Time, one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, if if time travel can be done, I think that's probably one of the most realistic ways in which to do it. Um, you, know, it, you see some of these different scientists trying to create a machine based off of Einstein's theories and all that stuff. And yes, I, I believe space and time, you know, can be bent with different gravitational fields. And, you know, we've basically proven that, at, you know, between Earth, top of a mountain, out there, you know, around the Earth's orbit, time does move differently. But I think if we're actually going to travel in time, if you watch last week's episode on 
my stack time theory, or you know, even Einstein talks about his space-time theory, so they're, they're related. And if everything is happening concurrently at the same time, then the way he moves through time in mid-time return or somewhere in time, I mean, he's basically accessing his, just by, um, by feeling that he's in the moment, in that situation, he basically takes the essence of his soul into another, basically another dimension, another place in time, even though he's physically still right there at the hotel, he's just witnessing it in another place in time. Really, really interesting. So a little bit of a tangent there, but... Um, she threw it down there. Okay, in any case, <laughs> we were talking Thunderbirds. We were talking Alaska. Um, so, woolly mammoths. Okay, this was really interesting what they did on the show. And I just wanted to mention this really quick. Uh, this would be an ancient entity. Because um, they, have, they have found woolly mammoths that did survive uh, longer than they originally believed. You know, it's just just a handful, not a whole lot. Um but there, there were some pockets that seemed to have survived a little bit longer. And I thought one of the interesting points that was made on the Alaska Triangle show was the, the idea that there could be um, some small pockets of woolly mammoths still out there in Alaska. Um, you know, and maybe you could probably even make a, a case for Russia, Siberia area uh, as well. And it makes sense to me. I know a lot of people may kind of like roll their eyes and kind of scoff at that but because they're like well you know we've you know we know our planet you know we know everything no we don't there are some really really remote areas and people don't understand how huge Alaska is and that area in Russia Siberia and all that out there is even bigger okay Alaska is almost three times the size of Texas you know it's not people look at a, at a map and they're like you know they see alaska is down there in the corner you know because it's displaced from the other 48 states and so they think it's like this little you know thing um or even if they look at a globe yeah, it's just up there um it's huge um you know nobody's explored the entire thing on foot um nobody's really even i wouldn't even say anybody's really flown over the entire thing it's just so freaking vast um I think we have a good idea of things that are around there, but as far as have, I, I think there could be a small possibility that there are some woolly mammoths still up there. We still could have some of those um, ancient creatures with us today. I mean, we do we do see things like you know, especially in the oceans, in the seas, that um, some of these older creatures are still there. You know, like. Um, uh, like the turtles and things like that that you know they they are a remnant from the time of the dinosaurs well woolly mammoths were a heck of a lot closer to us in our time than the dinosaurs so um so i i think there could be a possibility uh that something like that is is still around is still around so um Tom McNicholas saying time travel theories make my head spin. Yeah, we get into those sometimes around here. Somebody threw down time bandits. I remember time bandits. That Sean Connery was in that. Um, so it's a uh, that was an interesting one as well. So I know we got into a bit of time travel here because of the whole um, Thunderbirds and portals and vortices and the missing airplanes. But I think it's a legit idea. So. Um, Kathy Silento, fast and icy. I do agree, Mike, it's possible. Yeah, and I'm not saying that there's like massive herds 
or anything like that, but there could be some small pockets. When we get into Bigfoot here um, a little bit later, it's um, kind of the same idea that, hey, you know, the reason why we may not be seeing a lot of these is because there aren't a lot. And some people speculate that there may be like 1,200 across the entire continent um, or maybe 2,000 or something like that. Again, across the entire continent, you try you spread that many people out, you know, that large of a space. There's going to be like a couple here, a couple there, you know, not not huge numbers. And so, if there are some mammoths still around, then it just there might be very small numbers in just a you know small area up there in a huge state. So. Um, so let's get to, so from woolly mammoths, we are going to move on to, uh, again, we're doing some Native American stuff. Um, I've been getting a lot of questions, especially since I recently did Skinwalkers. Uh, Wendigos. And there are a lot of different interpretations um, as to what Wendigos look like. Um, and there's not really a, a clear description. So let me read to you a couple of a couple of descriptions of what they may be so this one this first one um says the wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation its desiccated skin pulled tautly over its bones with its bones pushing out against its skin its complexion the ash gray of death and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets the wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave what lips it had were tattered and bloody its body was unclean and suffering from suppurations of the flesh giving off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition of death and corruption and that's from a uh, ojibwe teacher and scholar up in canada so uh, these are usually seen in canada uh, minnesota uh, great lake region um again another native american legend um so the algonquin say a giant with a heart of ice, sometimes it's thought to be entirely made of ice. Its body is skeletal and deformed with missing lips and toes. Um, another Ojibwa. Uh, it was a large creature as tall as a tree with a lipless mouth and jagged teeth. Its breath was a strange hiss, its footprints full of blood, and it ate any man, woman, or child who ventured into its territory. And those were the lucky ones. Sometimes a Wendigo chose to possess a person instead, and then the luckless individual became a Wendigo himself hunting down those he had once loved and feasting upon their flesh. So I've seen a lot of artists' interpretations of this, um, making it more like a skinwalker where it's like half man, half beast, having antlers and stuff like that. And yet all the descriptions that I've read from the Native American side never talk about anything <laughs> about it being half man, half beast, anything like that. It sounds more like a zombie. Um, so, you know, like one of the, the older stories, like the origin story, you know, talk of um, uh, a man being lost out in the woods, going crazy, uh, becoming a cannibal, and then turning into this creature. And um, basically it infecting, like I said, possessing others, and then that person becomes the cannibal and feasting on the flesh of others. So it's a flesh-eating uh, type of entity from these Native American legends. But again, it sounds more like a zombie to me. Um, than 
than the Skinwalker. So Skinwalker, and I'll, th I'll throw up Skinwalker real quick because I figured I was going to have to um, explain this anyway. So Skinwalker, and I just did a uh, video on this um, on the Hunter Road Media channel, so please check out that video. Um, and basically a Skinwalker is a, uh, it's a Native American shaman, an evil Native American shaman who you have to be invited in by other ones. It's like a cult. And you become a shapeshifter and so you shapeshift between a man and then this half man half beast sort of thing um and you do mean nasty evil and nefarious things um, but it's different than what the what the wendigo is the wendigo does sound more like a zombie although a lot of artist interpretations this is actually to me a more accurate artist interpretation where some other artist interpretations that you'll find out there uh, seem to make it more of the skinwalker type um i used one in the the skinwalker video to tell the story of uh, a man and his son who saw a a deer type uh skinwalker and basically had the you know the head body of a deer but the legs of a human and went running off but yet when i did the little bit of research here for wendigo a lot of people are using that same piece of artwork for their wendigo story it's like that's that's more of the skinwalker <laughs> than the Wendigo. So it's, it's it's interesting how these things kind of get uh, twisted around. Quarantine Ghost, thank you very much for putting the uh, Skinwalker uh, video link down there. Um, really good about that. Appreciate that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's quite different. People have been asking me a lot about the, the Wendigo lately. I'll probably end up doing a video on that here soon. Um, it's not going to be this week's video, but... Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the Wendigo. That's what's different with the Wendigo than, say, the Skinwalker. Um, the other one here, we're doing like kind of a lot of Native American-related sort, of, um, uh, sort of stuff here. So Pukwudgie is another one here. And with the Pukwudgie, these are kind of like the Native American version of like gnomes <laughs> um or even like a fairy type of entity which i know a lot of the a lot of the fairy lore says that gnomes are a type of fairy and i i i think they're they're actually different um but okay so robert hannah we'll, we'll backtrack just a second here so robert hannah to me sounds like the wendigo and skinwalker are almost similar um here's where they're different so um, for a skinwalker, you have to be a shaman. Um, you don't have that qualification for a, um, for a wendigo. Um, a wendigo is also a, a cannibal. A, a wendigo, by those descriptions that I read, doesn't become the half man, half beast thing like the skinwalker does. Um, I also wouldn't say that, uh, the skinwalker is a cannibal you don't usually hear stories of the skinwalker eating people you will hear stories of the skinwalker killing people um, in fact one of the traits that the this one of the things the skinwalker has to do to become a skinwalker is you have to kill somebody you love um again you don't have that qualification with a wendigo with a wendigo um you kind of just you get infected or possessed by um, another Wendigo, like I, like I said, it's kind of almost like a zombie. Think of like The Walking Dead. Um, that's you. You get bitten by one of the dead, and then you become one. 
Um, that's kind of the same thing here with the Wendigo. And then you start feasting on the flesh of other people. Uh, so Wendigo is more like a zombie, uh, where Skinwalker is more like more like a werewolf, really, where you know you you turn into uh, this other creature. You may maim and kill people and things like that. Um, and the other thing is you have the qualification of you have to be a Native American shaman and be invited into this cult to become one to begin with. So there's, there's things that are quite different uh, about these two, but it seems like our you know, mo the modern internet culture is kind of meshing these things together, kind of like, um, like I get a lot of questions about are you know, skinwalkers, you know, a type of shadow person, are, are men in black shadow people, are, you know, I get a lot of questions about, you know, shadow people and all these different entities. Um, you know, is Slenderman a shadow person and stuff like that? And it's like, no, people, I, th I think because of, I mean, the internet's great because we're able to access all this information, but I think people are starting to get confused and starting to mix all these different things together when there's, there's actually things that make them quite different. So, um, I hope I was able to clarify that for you. Um, so, um, Somebody's saying I look, oh, I, <laughs> I have some more weight to lose. No, I'm not looking that skinny. It's the black. I'm wearing black. <laughs> I appreciate that, though. Um, all right. So I was going to talk about puckwudgies here, right? Uh, puckwudgies. So these are, these are trickster entities. They're short. They're gray in nature. Again, they're kind of like the, the gnomes of Native American lore. Um, are seen you know, mostly in the East Coast, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, B3 Airspace saying, I like imps, they're mischievous. These are kind of like imps, yeah, kind of like the same thing. Um, uh, Justin Brown, Interface Death, saying Pukwudgies are most likely a subset of Earth elementals like gnomes. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. They're kind of like gnomes to the uh, to the Native Americans. Um, Again, the, the stories of these really originated on the uh, on the East Coast, and what I have found interesting uh, about the the Puckwudgie stories lately is you start hearing reports now of Puckwudgies being out in like Indiana or Missouri or whatever, and I'm not knocking those particular states, but um, you know, I, I find it I find it interesting when people start to say, "Yeah, there's this mass there's there are these mass migrations of puckwudgies to these other states," <laughs> and I'm kind of I'm kind of just you know sitting there. I, I, maybe I mean maybe puckwudgies decided to move from the East Coast and migrate west. I, maybe I don't know. Um, or it could be that somebody's experiencing something um, in in their backyard or in the woods behind their house or whatever, and you know they look it up online and it fits the story of of a puckwudgie. So now we have you know a, a puckwudgie sighting in Iowa or something. <laughs> you know, it's like I, maybe I don't know, or maybe it's something else that's related. You know, it's um, it's hard to know, but I, I just find it interesting. I, again, it's part of our internet culture, which is great for finding information, but it's um, there's other ways in which I think it kind of hinders us and we start getting some different things mixed up. It's almost kind of like diagnosing, you know, your own illness online. You could go to like 10 different websites and, you know, you'll have 10 different illnesses, right? So I think that kind of happens with some of these different um, reports of these different entities that are 
are seen is that um, you know you're you're searching around online for what you may have experienced. You could seriously go to ten different sites and come up with diff- ten different entities. So, um, kind of the same thing. Uh, so P three airspace Slenderman Stickman uh, Talpas. Um, Possibly, yeah. I, I will not say with any definity that like Slenderman would be a tulpa. I wasn't really going to get into tulpas here, but just to kind of clarify, um, some people are believing that now because some people claim to have you know really seen Slenderman. Um, I don't know if any of those reports are really true, if they really have seen Slenderman, or if they're just concocting a story because they think it's cool. Uh, you know, I saw Slenderman, whatever. You don't really ever know. Um, but a lot of people are starting to think that he has become real because of all these people, you know, believing that he exists. So now either one, the thought form is out there uh, to create this entity or some other entity has decided to latch on to the idea of Slender Man and take up his persona. That's the idea of what a, a topo would be in his particular case. Has it really happened? I could not tell you one way or the other if it really has. Um, right now, I maintain the stance that Slender Man is not real because he was a photoshopped project from a web forum that's it it was a contest on a web forum and victor surge photoshopped them into a photo of kids playing in a playground so it's cool all the stories that people created around him all the lore and everything it was creative um so i'll I'll definitely give it that so um so, um, Rick Gabber, have you ever heard of anyone having experiences with a puckwudgie? I mean, there are people that have reported seeing puckwudgies and having experiences. I mean, you can go on to like a, a hundred different um, websites right now and read about different people's puckwudgie experiences. Um, I've had other investigators in the field tell me that uh, they may have experienced that puckwudgie at a particular location. We're going to talk about Hinsdale House here in a little bit. And that is one location where people believe that there are Pukwudgies uh, up in the woods out there. Um, and I I can't say whether there is one way or the other. I didn't experience Pukwudgie there. I experienced something else that people would be like, Mike, really? Um, and that would be fairies. So let's go ahead and get into that since I just brought it up. So the first one that I believe I saw, and this is, I will say, I photoshopped a little like Tinkerbell type fairy in there. Golden Rod Shobo, I've talked about this story um, a million times, so I don't want to get too deep into it. But that was with the, uh, you know, the bar of light that turned into a ball of light that was dancing around. There were three of us that saw it. Um, it was a really, really interesting time there. But I've, I've talked about that story probably a hundred times on this channel. Um, I could refer you to any of the Goldenrod Showboat videos, or um, we actually have done, um, it's, it's on the Hunter Road Media channel, the Mythical Entities, uh, Beyond the Shadows episodes. So you can go to that one. Um, maybe I'll come back here and, and link it. Uh, you can go and watch that on, on the ferries uh, with the Goldenrod Showboat. Um, but what I want to talk about mostly uh, with this particular incident was, why did that come up? Huh. Okay, so there was supposed to be a, a photo of the Hinsdale house here. 
Oh, I know why I didn't show up because I disconnected the drive that was that was on. Okay, but these are the woods behind the Hinsdale house. Um, yeah, because the the one that actually shows the house itself. Sorry, Dan, if Dan Class comes and watches watches this, uh, but I am. I am going to talk about the Hinsdale house <laughs> uh, because I had a really, really interesting experience there uh, last uh, last September. And it was back in these woods and then later on just behind the house. You know, that's going to bug me. I, I know I have in there a photo of the Hinsdale house. It's in another location. So I'm going to go ahead and grab it uh, because... I can kind of point out a little bit from the photo where it was at. And it was, um, so these woods here uh, is where when uh, Megan Talbert and I were investigating there last September, and this was actually before we went inside. We decided to go outside and uh, do the woods first before it cooled off too much. And it was threatening to rain, and it wasn't really raining all that much at the time so it was like okay let's go ahead and uh let's do this now there we go there's hinsdale house and so you can kind of see to the very very right of the photo the stairs that are cut into the hill that go up into the woods and so you take those stairs and i'll get there's another story associated with that um there's a tree back there and I, I couldn't find all my photos for some crazy reason. There's a tree back there that um, is set up with a bunch of different um, charms and trinkets and things like that, which is uh, uh, really interesting. And it was around there uh, that we looked down essentially this. It's a, it's a dark video because it was nighttime. And it's hard to see some of the lights that we were seeing, but... Down here and off to the left a little bit, we were seeing this large blue ball of light that was kind of dancing between the trees. And there were times it would get blurry and then it would kind of sharpen back up and then it would go blurry again. It was really, really weird, really interesting. And so we tried interacting with it and doing EVP sessions and stuff like that. Um, we got some interesting stuff on that video. So um, that's on the Haunted Road Media channel. It was a few weeks ago that I posted those two videos of the Hinsdale house. I think it was maybe it was like a month ago, um, but the first one with the with the haunted woods of Hinsdale house. Um, that's the video I'm talking about here. So we were up there for a while. We came back and we ended up investigating the house, and we were inside for a little while. We decided to go take a break, and. We went, again, if you look on the right-hand side of the photo into the backyard, there's a fire pit there. And we're sitting around the fire pit. And as we're talking, we start to notice, coming down the stairs and in the woods, these little blue lights. And, you know, at first we're, we're looking at like, okay, you know, are they fireflies? You know, but here's the thing. It's the wrong time of year. We were there at the end of September. Fireflies are a summertime insect. And, well, in that area of the country, they're not blue. There are There is a blue firefly <clears throat> that's seen in the Carolinas, so much further south, and only in June. So we're talking September, late September in New York. It, there's no fireflies out this time of year, especially not blue ones. 
but they come down. They come down. There's some that the ones that are like flying would twinkle. So you'd like see them blip, 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 blip. But then there were these ones that were on the ground and they would like slowly glow up and they'd be bright and then they glow back down. So they're like in and out, in and out, this weird sort of thing. And we could walk up to them and we're looking down and, you know, we're trying to do EVP sessions and stuff like that. And so, okay, this, this has got to be some sort of bug. And so, you know, you'd shine your flashlight on to see like what kind of bug it was. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It was the craziest thing. And I think I put it here. Did I? The, um, no, it's not here. Darn it. Um, I could have swore, but I didn't, did I? Nope, it's not there. Um, so we put an apple down there. Oh, wait, I think I did. Let me let me just go check real quick. I'm going to check real quick. Uh, but I put, again, over there by those stairs, I put down an apple. Because one of the things that they say in fairy lore um, is to leave a um, an offering. And so I decided to leave an apple down. And when we came back the next morning, the apple was still there. Now, there's a lot of deer that are that are in that area. And so, you know, a deer could, you know, bite it or run off with it or whatever. And I'm looking for this photo. Um, but that's not what happened to it. You know, it, um, it was like something bore into it. And like, it left chunks like around the apple. And I'm not finding it. Oh, there it is. Okay. So there's the apple. And you can see where it was like something bore into it a little bit. That's not a bite. And behind the apple, behind it, not like sitting out down there at the side of it, behind it are those little chunks. And this was this was, was the next morning. So it was really, really weird. So it's not definitely not a bite from a deer. And if it was just a normal boring insect, I mean, maybe it would eat... I don't know if it would really eat that big of an area, but the little shreds would be right down there on the ground in front of the hole, not behind the apple. So we should have... Uh, we thought about it that morning after after we were like hey there's the apple we're like yeah we should have left the camera out there overnight you know, i don't know if we would have had enough battery but um but we we do believe that those little blue lights were fairies and they ate the apple that's we're, we're standing by it we're standing by it um it was really, really interesting experience. And I'll say this, it was very, very difficult to get those little lights on camera. Um, There's a brief moment in there where it, it looks like I did. And it, it was weird because I'm like looking through the viewfinder of the camera. It's like, I'm, I'm trying IR. I was trying it with without IR. You know, it was dark out. Um, and I'm looking through the viewfinder and I'm just like, Megan, I don't, this is not showing up. And we're seeing them everywhere. And, you know, they'd get really bright and they're not showing up on the damn camera. It was ridiculous. Um, but there is a little clip in there where it's kind of like really faint. You can actually kind of see a little blue light. And it's like, I think I did get it for a brief moment. I think I got it. So, um, and Quarantine Ghost has put the, uh, the link down there. 
So again, I absolutely appreciate that. Um, let's scroll through here real quick. And she put a bunch of links in there. So awesome. I appreciate that. Scroll through here real quick to see if there are any uh, questions that I missed. Uh, Grand old folks, Betty Langley, have you ever heard a Faye laugh? Um, I haven't, but when we saw that that ball of light dancing around um, the Goldenrod Showboat showroom, which we do believe was another type of a fairy, um, Tara, who was with us, um, she was a psychic medium, uh, she had made a comment of, saying wow you're really fast and she believes that she heard um the th the thing laugh and say i know that sort of thing so um so yeah kathy salento worms maybe see this is why i don't believe okay let me go back to that real quick that's why i made the point about the uh the shreds behind the apple because if it was something like a, a worm um i mean that would be a, kind of a lot for a worm and um the way it's done there, um, it's it, it it doesn't it, to me that the type of munching, for lack of a better term, doesn't seem very worm-like. But if it was a worm and it dropped shreds, it would be at right outside the hole there on the ground where you see those couple of clovers there. Those shreds would be on the ground in front of the apple, right outside the hole, right by those couple of clover, not behind it in the rocks back there um so i don't know why the shreds would be back there if they started walking off i don't know but if it was worms it it wouldn't be back there but i understand why you would ask uh robert hannah do you think the fey and puckwudgies are connected so that's almost kind of like asking me do i think that um you know the the fey or fairies and gnomes are because Pukwudgies are basically a Native American gnome. Um, are they related? And I always have a hard time with saying, because you look through any of those books on fairies, and they always will say a gnome is a type of fairy. And I have a really, really hard time with that. So um, I'll say that they're, they're related in the fact that they are some sort of supernatural entity. Um... I mean, I don't know if they might be cousins or something like that. <laughs> like, I'll say sometimes that, um, um, you know, like a black-eyed kid could be like a interdimensional cousin of a shadow person. It's not a shadow person. And I guess that would be the thing. Um, like a black-eyed kid is not a shadow person, but might be an interdimensional cousin of a black-eyed, of a shadow person just because they're both interdimensional. So, you know, would a puckwudgie... So a Pukwudgie is not a fae, but they, because of their supernatural properties, they may have, you know, some things about them that are related, but one is not a type of the other. I don't believe so. Um, all right, so I had a couple other things here, um, and we'll just kind of go through real quick. I, I guess I had over an hour's worth of material here. I didn't even realize that. So Bigfoot real quick. I, I did uh, say we would get to that uh, a little bit earlier because we were talking giants and stuff like that. So no, I don't believe like uh, Bigfoot is a giant. I think it's a totally different creature. I mean, basically, I think the giants are a, are a, I don't want to say a type of human. I want to say a type of humanoid, but, you know, Bigfoot seems like a type of humanoid, but um, they're different species, basically. Um, but um, 
a giant. If you go by, if we go back to the book of Enoch, a giant would have human DNA in it where um, Bigfoot, I believe, would does not have human DNA. It's something entirely different. Again, maybe some sort of relative or distant cousin or something like that. You know, it's another primate, basically. Um, but but it's not a type of human where a giant you would say is kind of like a type of human, but a lot bigger, different, a different type of um, uh, race of human humanoid beings. Um, but you know, a uh, a Bigfoot would be like a different species. So. So them being, if, if we go back to that um, giant map, another another point here with that giant map. So there are a lot of Bigfoot sightings around the country, but what's with this map when it comes to the giants is that these are actual remains or reports of remains found, I should say, reports of remains found, where with the Bigfoot, we don't have remains. <laughs> That's one of the big differences here. We don't have remains of the Bigfoot. Uh, we have casts of the large feet, uh, which are really interesting. So we did cover this on the Alaska Triangle with um, the Hairy Man, and Hugh Newman was involved with with some of that stuff too, with the Hairy Man, and with um, uh, there there was an episode on the Alaska Bigfoot. Um, so, you know, some of these different strides, I mean, they're, you know, huge feet, 24 inches long. The strides are like six feet uh, apart and things like that. So, um, you know, it's, it, I, I do believe that they exist. I believe kind of like what we were talking about before with the woolly mammoth, their population, populations are low, so they're hard to find. And a trait that they may share with some of the giants, you hear, you know, like the Southeast Asian giants, um, that are on some of the islands, they're supposed to be on some of the islands out there that, you know, they're very quiet, they keep to themselves, um, that sort of thing. And you hear that sort of thing with uh, you know, the Bigfoot tales is that, you know, they don't want to be bothered, that they, they want to be left alone. You know, when humans come by, they kind of just run off and do their own thing, which I think is kind of funny um, with some of the, the people that go... They go squatching, you know, Sasquatch hunting, basically, for lack of a better term, where they're trying to make these different calls. You know, they'll scream different things out or they'll hit the different trees with the bats and, you know, say, well, you know, that's the knock that they make and that's the call that they make and stuff like that. And it's like, well, if these things are supposed to be quiet, you know, and don't want to have anything to do with humans and are just trying to stay away and do their own thing. If you're screaming out to it and making a bunch of noise and stuff like that, you're probably going to scare it off. You know? So I've always found that kind of funny when, when you see the shows and they're, they're making these different calls and screaming and, you know, and you know, hitting the trees with bats and stuff like that. I'm just like, I, I just somehow think that's defeating the purpose. I just, that's my opinion. Um, you know, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Uh, Betty Lange, um Mike, can you do a show on flying humans that are reported more now? Um, I am not familiar with reports of flying humans. No. Um, and there was Superman. Uh, there's the greatest American hero. Uh, <laughs> it's just, I haven't heard those reports. Um Kathy Silento, what are ancient entities? Well, where we were talking about, I mean, 
going back into time. Maybe the most ancient entity that we were talking about was was the giants. You know, we're, we're, we went all the way back to, um, you know, the Book of Enoch and the Watchers. So the Watchers uh, certainly would be an ancient entity. And, um, you know, were they fallen angels? What, you know, what type of being were they? I mean, we speculate as to what they were, but basically when when they impregnated the uh, human women, they ended up creating these giants. So this kind of goes all the way back to the beginning of the show. Um, so um, B3 Airspace agrees with me on the screaming and hitting uh, is silly. So, okay. Um, I'm gonna scroll through here for uh, any other questions that I may have missed as I monologued here a little bit. Um, uh, all right. So the other, I think I had one more, right? So that was, uh, that was Bigfoot and of course, extraterrestrials. Um, I did, I don't want to get like really big into extraterrestrials, uh, with this particular show. I mean, that's a whole massive, uh, discussion unto itself, but, but, um, the thing that I wanted to mention about with extraterrestrials in regards to all of the types of entities that we discussed tonight, um, people have made cases for any of these things that we've talked about possibly being extraterrestrials. Um, you know, we're the watchers, extraterrestrials, you know, coming down to earth. Um, are things like the Pukwudgies extraterrestrials that we are witnessing? You even the fairies are they extraterrestrials? Um, so um, you know, Skinwalkers because um, Skinwalker Ranch has a lot of uh, purported UFO activity. So are they somehow related? So um, whenever we're talking about these types of entities, you always you really do always have that extraterrestrial card to play. Even when we're talking about um, the uh, Thunderbirds, you know, there could be some sort of relation there. You know, we, we've talked before in the past when it comes to interdimensional beings that um, some of these extraterrestrials could actually be uh, traveling here inter interdimensionally from another place in space and time. And so if we were talking about that same sort of thing with the Thunderbird, they could always be related. Um, are some of the Thunderbirds, you could even make a case for this, are some of the Thunderbirds that were witnessed actually some sort of extraterrestrial vehicle? So I just wanted to kind of briefly rope in uh, the extraterrestrial angle because that's always something you kind of have to consider when you talk about these different things is that, you know, are the different legends and lore that came about over the years some sort of interpretation of extraterrestrial activity and this is all that they could end up relating it to. So... Uh, so there's, there is that. Um, all right. Um, I'm not talking Mothman tonight. That is definitely a discussion for another day. Um, we did talk a little bit about Mothman when we talked about Men in Black, um, but there is so much um, to talk about with that particular one. It definitely is a supernatural creature, um, but the uh, the number of reports that have been involved with that in the story that goes with Moth, with Mothman um, and the bridge and all of that is so extensive. That's really just a whole nother discussion for another day. And we're already past our time. So um, 
Quarantine Ghost wants to watch Mothman Prophecies again. That was good. That was a good movie uh, with uh, Richard Gere. That was pretty good. Um, I do like some of the different documentaries that have been done on uh, Mothman. There are definitely some good ones out there uh, that dive into the... Um, you know, they dive into a lot of the, uh, you know, the. I don't even want to say myths. I mean, it's it's really the reported sightings, and there's there's so many over such a large period of time. It's it's like going back again to the giants that we were talking about. There's just so much. There's just so so much. It's like how could every single one of those reports be wrong? So to me, just by the sheer number, you know, from all these different people from all different walks of life. It tells me there's got to be something there, um, you know. Whether it was a, you know a real quote unquote Mothman or something else, there was certainly something there. Um, so that's that's definitely another show for another time. But it's a uh, really really interesting topic for sure. So, oh, injured cold, yeah. <laughs> um, Justin again, a, another one for another time. Injured Cole is a really interesting person. Um, presumably right <laughs> so uh we'll, we'll do that we'll we'll do some more of these and uh, we'll talk about man and cold and all that um so uh the the new kirks on their uh on their hellier series actually get into uh injured cold and uh they end up tying into mothman and, and all that stuff that's a that's a really interesting series uh for sure so um all right, everybody. So let's go ahead and uh, let's wrap it up here. Really appreciate everybody joining tonight. It's been an absolute treat, and uh, you guys had some great questions. Jersey Devil's another good one. So um, maybe you guys just ought to message me with different ones that you want me to cover here down the road, and we'll pick some different ones and uh, and just roll with it. Um, this sounds like you guys have uh, some additional things you'd like me to cover, and uh, it's just not happening in this very moment. <laughs> uh, Tom McNicholas hopes he can sleep tonight. So, uh, yeah, yeah.